So Ephesians 6 is where we're going to be. Uh, we have gotten so far through the armor of God. I know we forgot where we're at with castles. <laughs> but uh, we've gotten all the defensive armor so far. This is the one offensive piece. Um, you know, we think of this armor and... Uh, sorry, why, while I'm talking, I need you to think. Uh, just I'll take a couple of them. I'm looking for your favorite verse. Your favorite verse. That's what I'm looking for right now. Favorite verse in the Bible, that is. Not your favorite verse from some song. Uh, but your favorite verse from the Bible, to clarify on that. Uh, but we think of an armory. An armory is a place where all the weapons are stored. And in that sense, for us, the Bible is an armory where we have so many uh, individual truths. We've been talking about this a little bit, where we have, uh, biblically, the word that they use for the Word of God, as in the Bible, is the logos, the whole thing. And then there's the word that's rema, and it's used for different Look through the Bible, uh, it's the, that's talking about the truth that's in there. So the truth that you find is found in the Word of God, but you find the words of God as in the truths. There's so many truths stored in the Bible we can use as a weapon. We call this, uh, Ephesians 6, verse 17, it says, take the helmet of salvation, and then it says, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. We have that sword of the Spirit. We use the Bible to defeat the temptations, to defeat the attacks of the enemy, but only if we learn to use them. Only if we learn to use them. And um, there was a story of a, uh, of a pastor who's in a small town. And he's heard something in his yard and, on a Sunday afternoon. And it was the sound of kids arguing back and forth. And he recognized his own son's voice as part of that uh, going back and forth. So he runs over to the window and uh, he saw his little boy in the backyard. And his little boy had his fist clenched. Uh, he's staring down the neighborhood bully who had come into the backyard. And before the dad could get out there to, you know, come to his rescue, whatnot, he heard the little boy scream at the top of his lungs, sound like a little war cry, whatever. He said, I come to you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel. And he obviously had just heard the story of David and Goliath, uh, either read it or had it in Sunday school. Uh, and he decided that I'm going to apply the same formula to the giant that's in my backyard right now. And as humorous that story may be, but that, that little boy uh, serves as an example of what we'll find as we go through this lesson today, that a word from God uh, or the words of God is enough to cause our spiritual enemy, Satan, to flee from us. And it's not just us singing, Reza, Satan, Reza, Satan, he will flee and throw Richard in the baptistry like we've talked about in the past. Uh, I mean that, uh, I'm not saying that like a Bible verse is like a magical charm or anything like that. But uh, in a spiritual warfare sense, the word of God, that sword of the spirit, is our one offensive weapon. And God has given to us uh, to use it in our battle against uh, Satan, a battle against his demons. When we look at Satan and compare them to the word of God, Satan has no authority to the word of God. Uh, the authority of the word of God is the authority of God himself in our lives. And... Uh, we should be using it to counter the lies of the devil, to counter the deception of the devil. Uh, Satan tries to get us to believe some crazy stuff. And Satan has no authority when we use the word of God. And we'll see that today. Um, you know, defensive armor that we have, truth, righteousness, peace, faith, salvation. They can keep us from being hurt by the devil. But the, the sword of the spirit is that thing that we can attack the devil. It's the one offensive weapon we can use. And um, if you look... Uh, Richard, those the pictures of the sword there or dagger. I think you missed my quote, but I'm not hating. Maybe a little bit, but uh, 
the word for sword that Paul uses here uh, is not like a like the a broad sword where it'd be a long one. Uh, usually, a broad sword you do with two hands. You can think of I don't know. Um, I'm trying to think some. What do you got? Lord of the Rings. Okay, Lord of the Rings. All right, so big long sword. Uh, this would be like the Hobbit's little thing. All right, uh, I don't know. There we go. Okay, good. Uh, it's the same thing, roughly. It's, it was uh, it was a much sh- shorter sword. Uh, sometimes even closer to a dagger. Be usually between six to eighteen inches. Uh, so you think of a gladiator sword, like you see here, uh, and this is another. I think that was Teddy there again when he's dressing up for the Roman soldiers, but uh, this one's a little shorter than that. Uh, and then lo- sometimes they'd have these curved ones, um, and they would stick it in and tur- twist. Anyways, just to get too crazy, but uh, that's the way they did it back in the day. Uh, usually it would have a little, uh, they called a scabbard. It was a little, like a sheath that they would put it in uh, right on their hip. But it was used for hand-to-hand combat. It's not used for something far away. This is someone you're right up close with your enemy. And Satan will get close to you. It's going to be something that you're going to have a battle. You'll realize, man, this is devil trying to get me to do something wrong. Or he's trying to discourage me from keep doing right. And that's when we pull out the sword of the, uh, the spirit. That's when we pull out this thing. Like I said, understanding what type of sword it is, you're not even that, it's not that big one where you can swing three, four feet away. This is when you're close. And the devil will get close to you trying to uh, get you away from God. But uh, this is the same sword that uh, was carried for those who came to arrest Jesus in the garden. Most likely the same type of sword that Peter used to cut off uh, that, that high priest's ear. And, um, and on that same one in Matthew 26, uh, this is the same sword that they killed James with, uh, the brother of John by King Herod. This sword is the one thing that we've been given that we can use when we're face-to-face with the devil. Uh, just like, And we're going to go to Matthew chapter 4. This is when we see the devil face-to-face with Jesus and what Jesus did to use this. And we'll talk about... Uh, actually, I'm, I, I want you to go to John first. Go to John first, and I'll have you go to Matthew after that. Let me pray, and we'll get into this. Heavenly Father, we love you. God, we thank for the Word of God. Thank for the uh, what it's what it is to us, God. There's so many things that the Word of God brings to us besides comfort, God. Uh, it gives us a strength to to fight against the devil. Pray that we'd embrace it in our life, God. We'd make it paramount in our life. We'd bring it uh, each day, the first thing that we'd uh, just devour the Word of God. That we meditate on it. We'd put it in our lives. God, we need that to uh, overcome the attacks of the devil. God, fill me with your wisdom and Holy Spirit's power right now as, as I speak, God. Let me say the correct things in your name. Amen. So look in John chapter 1. Uh, so John 1, uh, again, we talk about the words logos and rhema for the words for the word word or the words of God. And John 1 talks, of course, uh, about that. And it says, in the beginning was the word. Uh, and the word was God and the word Sorry, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was anything made that was made. So this here, this Word, uh, we use this uh, many times to talk about Jesus Christ as the Word. Uh, we talk about it, uh, could be talking about the Logos as the whole thing. We're talking, first off, what, what is the, the sword of the Spear? What is that for us? And um, this Word that we use uh, here is Rema, that's that truth we talk about. It's not the whole thing of the Word of God. It's the truth that we get. And we think of that. There are verses that you'll use to chase off the devil that you won't use in another situation with him. And they're specific to each uh, situation you face. And we need the entire word of God. Uh, you know, the um, if you can think of this, those two words I talk about, logos is the whole thing, rema is the, is the truth. Uh, logos is the Bible and the, the verses we could say are rema. Those, each individual truth that we use. And we can use those to attack the devil. 
And Paul is here taking, saying, take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the truce of God. Take these things and use them to attack the devil. And uh, I, as, I, you know, as I'm preparing to become a pastor, there's a lot of things that I've not ever had to do. So truths that I've had to be specific with. Here's the truth that I believe in, that I believe this is biblically founded here. Of course, I want my answers to be found in the Bible. I've never put them into paper. Uh, that's something that I prepared. And then I, uh, of course, it's, I'm just borrowing stuff too. I'm like, all right, let me figure out what this is. Do I believe this truth? Okay, yes, I believe this truth. Here's what the words say. Here's what the truth say. I believe for, for sure that the, the entire Bible is inspired and errant word of God from Genesis to Revelation, every single word that God's given. The whole thing, logos, and each individual part, the rema. Uh, Hebrews 4.12 tells us that the word of God, the whole thing, is quick and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Talk about how that, that, that word of God is a sword. It gets deep. And if you've ever read your Bible looking for truths, you will realize those truths get down inside of you. You'll realize when you get the word of God preached, because that is how we hear the word of God. That we hear because of a preacher, because of the preaching of the word of God. And we'll talk about it at the very end. But when those truths get to you, and the Holy Spirit says, yes, that is truth. And that thing is getting all the way down into your heart. And it uh, here it's, uh, it says it's dividing asunder of soul and spirit and the joints and marrow, just like a sword would cut through things. It's the discern of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And uh, the Bible is unlike any other book in the world. Uh, you know, there may be books that you've read before that are moving to you. There's literature that you like. Uh, there's things that you enjoy. But there's nothing like the Word of God that is alive and living. It's the living Word of God. And I realize that more and more, uh, the truth that we think we know, and we know a lot of stuff, we grow up in church, but as you read it more, you realize that truth is deeper, it's fuller, uh, you, you tie more back to Jesus Christ that you never did before, and you realize how much truth there is in the Word of God. There's not found in any other spot. Now, I like to read, I, uh, I don't read as much as I should, one of my favorite ones, Growing up, I still read them uh, when I, not that I get a chance to read that much, but I love reading Sherlock Holmes stuff. Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, I love his stuff, I think because just a lot of, uh, I don't know why I'd like them, but that's great and all, and they're fun to come back to read, but there's nothing like the Word of God has. It's not the same power that that has, and there's nothing like that. The Word of God is a living armory which we take living swords when forced to battle with our spiritual enemy. enemy excuse me. Those truths we get, we can fight. Uh, look in, like I said, look to Matthew uh Sorry, Matthew chapter 4, and we get into this story of how we use the sword of the Spirit. So we understand how powerful this sword is, but if you look down into Matthew chapter 4, and we see Jesus Christ, when he came down uh, in the flesh, so God incarnate in, the, in, in flesh, but he had all the temptations of human beings, all the temptations of the flesh. Uh, he gave up uh, some of his power when he came here to be a, a human and that was the ability to be tempted. And Jesus Christ, of course, uh, in verse number 1, look there, uh, Matthew chapter 4, verse number 1. Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of a devil. So, Jesus, of course, if you look here, the Holy Spirit is what leads him to go be tempted by the devil, which is a crazy thing to think about if we, we really think through that. That the Spirit, the Holy Spirit's leading him to go face the devil. Now, there's a lot of reasons between him and Satan going head-to-head, -head, uh, reasons why, but it, one of the big things is it shows us the power of, of Jesus Christ. 
shows the power of the Bible. There's a lot of things in here, but verse number two, and when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward in hunger, like any else would be. And um, as we look through here, there's there's no better example in the Bible of how to use the sword of spirit than when Jesus, when he went back and forth with Satan in the wilderness. Uh, Jesus turned back all three of Satan's temptations. We'll look at each three and how individual they are. But the way he did them was with truth from the Bible, from the word of God. And uh, it's not uh, an accident that it was this way. Uh, in Matthew 3, Jesus is validated as the, the God's son, where he speaks from heaven when, when Jesus was baptized. And he said, this is my beloved son in whom we're pleased. Immediately after he gets that validation from God the Father, Satan, of course, is going to say, I'm, I'm, trying, to get, I'm going to try to tempt you. I'm trying to pull you away. Uh, I'm going to try to separate you from that title, the Son of God. And if Satan can lure, lure Jesus into ignoring God's will, of course, Jesus would be disqualified from himself, being the redeemer of mankind. Uh, and Jesus would, uh, the second Adam that, of course, Jesus would be, would have failed just as the first Adam did, the temptation of, of Satan. So we see here it's very important. Uh, the Holy Spirit leads Jesus to be tempted in the wilderness. And it was necessary for Jesus to pass this test. Because after this is where he begins his public ministry. Jesus had not done anything yet. But after this temptation and after he proved, became the son of God in Jesus' eye, or God the Father's, this is my son. And then he gets proved that, man, I, I am the son of God. I overcome the temptation. His ministry starts. So uh, if you these three temptations that he has are, are from uh, 1 John 2.16. It says, uh, all things that are in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Talking about these things that are in this world. We see that uh, these are things that Satan has always used to tempt us. If we look back to the Garden of Eden, we think he tempted Adam and Eve. The fruit was pleasing to look at. So there's the, uh, the lust of the eyes. It was good to eat. There's the flesh. And it would make them like God. That's the pride. The pride of life. Three temptations. And if you look through your life, the temptation that Satan is going to throw at you, most likely it's going to be one of those three things. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. It's going to be something that's going to get you away from turning away from God. And it may be the things that we like to fulfill with our eyes. It may be the things that we like to fulfill with our flesh, the things that we enjoy. Not the Holy Spirit enjoys, but we enjoy. Or pride of life, things that make us feel good about ourselves, or accomplished, or that we've done something. And uh, so look in Matthew chapter 4. We've down in verse number three. My guy. There we go, Sivo. Good to see you, man. Uh, look at verse number three. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. And he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. God, uh, Jesus Christ, I can imagine him here. Now, he's not physically doing this, but I, I see this where he's just pulling out the sword. And Satan comes trying to attack him. Well, do this. And Jesus right away, boom, no. And, I, and he swipes away with that sword. I think of this as he pulls out. That's just me thinking of this. But he fasted for 40 days. Jesus, of course, was hungry. If you've ever fasted, took part in this uh, 90 days. Uh, not that anybody fasts for the 90 or 70 days, excuse me. Uh, that'd be weird if you did. You'd probably be dead if you fast for 70 days. Uh, though, I don't know. With the Holy Spirit's power, you could do it, right? Uh, anyway, so this is the KJV fasting that uh, Brother uh, Fisher talked about. Water only. Okay. Uh, but if you ever fasted, man, that when you're done with that fast, you're starving. You're hungry. And, and of course, during your fast, everything looks good. You want to eat everything you see in sight. And then, of course, whenever you fast, someone always brings you a gift of some kind. Like, here's some 
Look at this nice, good food I just made for you. Like, no, I'm fasting right now. Like, uh, and that's the temptation of the devil right there. You get on my face, devil. All right. Uh, but Jesus, of course, is hungry. Satan tempts him with that. He says, if you can turn these stones into bread, uh, you can relieve your hunger. Satan is saying, if you're indeed the son of God, there's no reason you should be hungry. Uh, use your power that you have. Turn those stones into bread. Create some bread for yourself. What, what could be wrong with that? The point of the temptation was to get Jesus to act independently of the Father. To do what he wanted instead of what the Father wanted for him. Uh, he wanted, hey, Satan said, work a miracle for your own good. This was not working a miracle. And Jesus would do work miracles. All those miracles, though, were pointing back to the power of his Father. Here, this would not. This would just be for my own good. Uh, but Jesus came to earth to serve, not to be served, as it says in Mark 10. He came to earth to do the Father's will, not his own, like it says in John 6. On the night of his arrest, Jesus would have been called for, uh, he could have called more than 12 legions of angels uh, to free him, but he didn't. It was the Father's will. Uh, no faithful and of his Father. Jesus have, uh, and negated his role as a few stones. It's a complete rich in history. Just if it, before it even got started, if he had yielded to that temptation. So Jesus answered Satan, it is written, man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Here he's quoting Deuteronomy 8. It's the other day, our life depends on how we knew Deuteronomy, uh, how well we battled the devil with Deuteronomy. I know that's probably not memory, that message from Deuteronomy. But here Jesus used Deuteronomy to quote to the devil. He pulled out the sword uh, from Deuteronomy to defeat the first temptation, the lust of the flesh. You see temptation number two, look in verse number five. Then the devil can step into a whole city and that's in a pickle of the pool. It's very pickle. Uh, you see it'd be a... Um, Beat a backstairs in this book says have room somewhere where there's a big uh, I can think of them look uh, but either way there's a big lookout tower. <laughs> I don't know. It was not a there's a word that I can't think of it, but uh parapis, parapis? No. Either way, it would look actually you couldn't see the valley where they're at in Jerusalem, but up on top of there you could see it and you could have a better view of everything. That's where he took him. And uh he said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up. Lest at any time thou shalt dash thy foot against a stone. Jesus said unto him, It is written again. Bro, come on, man. Don't you know I know the Bible? It's written again right here. Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Undeterred from that first temptation being uh, pushed away, Satan begins to appeal to Jesus' sonship or his life as a son of God. Take him to the pinnacle. If you're the son of God, if you actually are who Jesus just affirmed you as, you could throw yourself down. Or if you're the son of God, you could do it, right? And he, let, he said, let the angels catch you before you even hit the, the ground below. Uh, there was a tradition in, in there was a rabbinic, rabbinic uh, tradition in Jesus' time from rabbis that would said that the Messiah would come to deliver Jews from their oppressors, that he would come from the pinnacle or from the, the top of the temple into the temple courts. So if Jesus jumped from the pinnacle and landed unhurt, it, he would be proven to be the Messiah. Of course, in the terms of the tradition uh, believed by the Jews. Jesus said, I'm not acting, again, independently of my Father. I'm doing what God wants me to do, the other Father. Just like the first temptation, Satan's trying to get him to, uh, he said, well, you can do it, let the angels catch you. This is, again, Satan, who knows the word of God. Satan's quoting Psalms 91. Talks about, hey, dash thy foot against a rock. He's trying to, but he's misquoting that. It's not talking about Jesus. He's talking about how uh, we can do that, be that way. Uh, let God prove that you are his son by protecting your life. Uh, but this would have made Jesus look like he's testing the Father. The Father had, to had not told Jesus to jump off the temple. Uh, it would be presumptuous for Jesus to say Jesus, that God would save me. So Jesus pulls out another sword, this time from Deuteronomy 6, which says, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Uh, this was the temptation of the lust of the eyes. 
a chance for Jesus to show off in the eyes of the Jewish people. Uh, important lesson here. Uh, you know, it's biblical to believe in miracles, but it's not biblical to schedule them based on our desires. Here is a miracle that would have happened. Jesus, I think that God the Father probably would have protected him. I don't know that. Uh, but here is demanding that happens right now. We ought to believe in miracles. We ought to believe that God will do great things, but not demanding that he can do right now. Uh, it's important to note since you did say scripture in the first and used scripture in the second thing said, oh, you're trying to get right, scripture. First down, the angels attack, do it. You're the son of God, do it. Right? Do it. Bro, you? You know, that's, he's, he's trying to just get him riled up. He's going to use the Satan knows the Bible and will twist it. He'll take it out of context. Just like he did with Eve. He said, oh, did God really say this? God will do it with you. God will say this in the Bible. No, come on. And he'll this thing getting us from Use the word God. Uh, number, verse number eight. Number eight. And the devil take it from doing him out. Show the king of the world, the Lord. And send to him all these like he will fall and worship. The idea is unto him. Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written. Like, bro, get out of here, man. Thou shalt worship the Lord uh, thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Then the devil leave him, and behold, his angels can minister unto him. You know, the final temptations is that pride of it's an ability of Jesus humide. Become ruler of the kings of the world. Uh, Satan for Jesus, all the kingdoms. Uh, Satan had to make that for. Look at John 5, 19. Now is, he is a ruler of this world. He is in he not in charge, but he takes care of a lot of this stuff. Uh, not an absolute ruler, but he's uh, very much on a, a short lease. God will, God's going to pull him back very quickly. But the kings of this world are under his sway. They're under his influence. Uh, he was offered influence. All right, I'll give you some of this. I'll give you some of this role. You worship. Fall down. In essence, I'm going to be short to be ruler of the world. Don't you start being right now. right now. I'll give, you, I'll give you all this right now if you want it. I'll give you this. And that's where that's where the devil does that in our own life. I'll, I'll give you this all right now. And sometimes we think, oh, man, I could have all this right now that you're offering to me. I can take this thing that, that the, the Satan is offering. Uh, here he's like, Jesus, you don't have to go through all that suffering on the cross. I'll give you this kingdom now. You, you, I know you're going to be ruler someday, but why don't you just take it right now? You don't even go through the pain, the hardship. I'll, I'll give you the kingdoms. You can make them your own. Satan was trying to keep Jesus from going to the cross and accomplishing that redemption that he had for mankind. He, if he could keep that from happening, God's plan would have been stopped. Jesus, again, goes to his armory. This is from Deuteronomy 6, again, verse 13 to 14. And uh, with that third answer, it says finally that the devil leaveth him, and behold, the angels came and ministered. You know, this event in Jesus' life is a perfect illustration of James 4, verse 7. We went through James 4 a couple months back. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. You know, we get a textbook example from Jesus himself how to use the word of God. How do I go back to, with the devil? Cause him to flee. It's not just by saying, Jesus, Satan, Jesus, Satan, he will flee. It's about knowing the words of God. Knowing, okay, God, you're saying you're coming to this? Oh, I got truth for that. You're coming to this one? I got truth for that. And the Holy Spirit brings mind a point of scripture that's exact circumstance we're in. And that's the truth we need. We need the verse inside the word of my heart that's sitting in. the words of God inside of me. If I don't have the words of God inside of me, there is nothing I can use to go back against Satan's attacks. So if you're saying, well, yeah, I can beat the devil any day. Okay, great. With what? What do you have? Uh, I missed yesterday in so You know, if I was sword right now, I would lose. I would die. I don't know. I, that gladiator I have. I've watched Gladiator like 10 times, but that doesn't make me a gladiator. I've watched The Last Samurai a couple times. I would not know what I'm doing with that. Those those samurais would chop me in half very quickly. Nor am I a French musketeer. I don't want to be a Frenchie anyways, but uh, I would not know how to do this thing. They would like this, and I'd have like Zorro across my chest very quickly. Because I don't know what I'm doing. But that's the same way we are with our battles against Satan. Oh, I can beat the devil. With what? What do you know? Do you know the word of God? Do you have anything inside of you that you can use to battle him? That's why we have to have this word inside of us. Uh, when we use this, we can devil. And there are quickly just three exits. The stay how for the word of God. That's what you preach. And preach proclaim the truths of God's word. The living and active swords of the Spirit are 
are, you could say, flung from the pulpit. They're thrown out there. Here's this truth. Here's this truth. Grab this truth. And there are things that can only get preaching of God. Spirit-led preaching of God. Holy Spirit's preaching of God. Have the truth God where he is being that you can use so against him. You know, we uh under preaching and sitting under preaching and teaching the word of God. Uh, that'll equip us for that. And uh, we we need this um, uh, this truth that we have. Uh, but the preaching of the word of God. There's a story of this guy. He was uh, uh, going through lots of hardships in his life. Uh, where eventually he got to the point where he said, I'm, I, I'm done. I can't handle life anymore. I'm going to drive my, tree, my car into a tree and kill myself. Which I'm like, bro, there's lots of different ways. Like that's not always going to be guaranteed. Uh, but <laughs> no, no, I'm no expert there. But he said, I'm, I'm going to kill my... But while he's driving down the road, the radio's on. And randomly, the preacher came on the radio and said, uh, some of you out here may be thinking about taking your own life. Don't do it. God loves you. He sent Jesus Christ to be your savior. God has a plan for your life. That truth shocked that man uh, out of his uh, moment. And he didn't go through with his plan. He accepted Christ. He got involved in the church, began to grow in the Lord. That was because he heard the dynamic of preaching the truth of God. And this is just a small, uh, that's as a small illustration, but uh, you may not be at that point in your life, but the truth of God that penetrates our hearts uh, brings about some results in our life. We get the word of God inside of us. That is how powerful the sword of the spirit is in our life and especially in spiritual warfare. So it helps with that dynamic of preaching. The truth uh, tells us that we ought to encourage us to read our Bible, especially read our Bible through systematically. Some of you say, well, I read and we do this thing, we got our Proverbs of the day, that's great. But you ought to read the whole Word of God, not just the good parts. And you may feel like, man, I don't feel like going through Levitical law. Uh, I didn't get to sit under some guy that taught through it very well, so I didn't really want to sit through it, whatever it may be. But we need the whole truth of God. That's why you need to, you need to read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. Take, a, take it upon your goal. Say, all right, I may not get through it in a year. Let's get through it in two years. I remember one summer, this was crazy. Uh, motivated by a girl though at that point, not my wife, but sorry, uh, that was pre, pre Beth. All right. Uh, but it was a good goal. We read through the Bible in a summer. Uh, we didn't do it together. It was like, all right, did you read? Yeah, all right. Okay. Uh, and that was a bit, there probably should have been more to that than just like, did you read your Bible? Yeah, we read our Bible. Okay, we're done. But getting through the whole Bible, it can be done. You've, you've sat down and either binge watched something or you sat down and tried to beat a whole game at once or one sitting, or you're a speedrunner game. I don't know what you do. But we ought to get through the whole word of God. You need the whole truth of God. And uh, Jesus knew what to say to Satan when he was tempted because he knew the book of Deuteronomy from start to finish. Uh, again, he, the whole word was in heaven, but uh, he used that the Old Testament because that's what people had at that point. They didn't have the New Testament like we have now, but he knew the progression, uh, progression of the content, what Moses wrote, why he wrote it. Uh, that's why we ought to have the whole word of God. And... The whole word, uh, the whole Bible is that armory where we get the swords of the spirit, the little truths to attack the devil. Lastly, the truth uh, exhorts us to memorize key passages of God's word. We ought to be memorizing the word of God. It ought to be something that we meditate, we get in our hearts. Jesus' experience as well as that of the apostles, if you look through their teaching, they committed words of God to memory. And we ought to memorize the word of God. And... Uh, when Satan came with his temptation, Jesus didn't say, oh, oh, hold a minute. And he's like searching. I think it was in. No, no, Jesus didn't do that. He said, no, no, as it's written, it's right here. I, I know this. Now, he was the word, so, I mean, he had an advantage on us, but that's a whole other story. Uh, but he said, as it's written, it's right here. No, no, this is the, no, sorry, bro. That doesn't work this way. And he said, all right, here's another, I'm going to try to twist scripture. Here's this. No, as it's written right here. 
We ought to memorize the Word of God. We have to have it. I have found that I'm rarely tempted by Satan when I'm reading my Bible. In the morning, I'm reading my Bible. Satan doesn't come with temptations there. Satan comes when I'm away from the Word of God, when I don't have it in front of me. And temptations come when I'm away from the Word and forced to rely on the verse that I have committed to memory. And that's when you, you come to memory, you get verses, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Uh, mortify, therefore, your bodies. That's when we get to those verses that are committed to memory. We must have the Word of God committed to memory so that the Holy Spirit can bring those verses to mind. The Holy Spirit has nothing to grab if there's nothing in there. You know, like I said, if someone came in the, right now with a sword, I would be like, uh, yeah, throw this box of Pictionary things at you. I have to have something. When the Satan comes, I have to have something to attack him back with. If you don't have the Word of God inside you, the truth of God is the sword of the Spirit, but only if it becomes part of your life, only if you bring it uh, inside of you. And... Uh,